Qualys has brought together vulnerability management and patch management, letting security teams discover vulnerabilities and apply patches immediately, all within a single, unified app. Sign up for a free trial of Qualys VMDR, vulnerability management, detection, and response today at securityweekly.com forward slash Qualys. Keeping up with security issues across thousands of web assets without the right approach to web application security is a daunting task. Get ahead with web vulnerability scanning automation from NetSparker, a leader in dynamic and interactive application security testing known for its ease of use and accurate results. Detect a wide range of vulnerabilities in all legacy and modern web applications. Address security bugs at scale by automating the confirmation process. Automatically prioritize vulnerabilities and assign actionable tickets to the right developers in their native workflows for rapid remediation. For more information on how to scale application security with ease, visit securityweekly.com forward slash NetSparker. Welcome back, everyone, to Paul's Security Weekly in our July 14th democast at 11 a.m. Eastern. Learn how to protect uh, and reveal your entire attack surface in our webcast with Cognito. Then on July 15th, of course, at 11 a.m. Eastern time, Learn how a thoughtful approach to SASE can improve security and enable scalability with the folks from Cisco Umbrella. You can visit securityweekly.com forward slash webcast to register today. If you missed any of our previously recorded webinars, they are available for your viewing pleasure at securityweekly.com forward slash on demand. Joining us uh, remotely, we've got two of our, our other hosts with us. Dr. Doug White is here. Welcome, Dr. Doug White. Hello. I'm here. Hooray. I'm getting like uh, all kinds of audio loops in my head, so I can't really tell what's going on, but it's kind of interesting and oh. keeping things wild. Not different from any other day. Mr. Lee Neely is here with us. Hey, good good to be back from being on the road. Hey, being on the road's a thing. Holy moly. Right? It's amazing. Uh, joining us in studio from Roger Williams University is Thomas Leonardo, Associate Professor at the School of Justice Studies. Thomas has 25 years experience as an attorney and is a member of the Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Federal Bar Associations and joins us today to discuss the CFAA and the recent Von Buren versus the U.S. case. Tom, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very Can much. Tom? Is that okay? Please. Okay. Please do. Uh, nobody calls me Thomas except my late mother, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and only when you were in trouble. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I have no middle name, so it really didn't matter. Well, you're not in trouble <laughs> with this. Light, light yeah. enough, Thomas. <laughs> Whoa. Hey, now. Um, the CFAA. I have this like trivia question. Uh, that I asked at a lot of different conferences, and of course, as, you know, Larry was describing before the segment, like we're we're not attorneys, we don't practice law, so we try not to give our audience the impression that we're giving legal advice or have any like deep knowledge of how a lot of these things work uh, and how laws are interpreted specifically. So I fit right in. So yeah. that's good. <laughs> so this is tricky business. Yeah. Um, but my uh, trivia question is uh, for the CFAA which I believe was enacted into law 86, 87? Originally it was 84, uh, the, uh, part of a you know, computer crime act, uh, mm -hmm. and then they codified it in 86 as, yeah. a, as an official CFAA. Who was the first person to be tried under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act? I have no idea. It was actually Robert Tappan Morris. Was very, Come on. Very famous in our field for creating the Morris worm. His dad, ah, worked, yes. his dad worked for NSA at the time. He was uh, at Cornell uh, University at the time and I believe is still a professor today at MIT. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll have to remember that next time I'm here. It's fa- <laughs> it's, fa- it's a fascinating story. And so, like, I had kind of researched that uh, particular case, and then I was reading one of the books I read recently that we talked about on the show. It might have been <coughs> Cyberpunk. Mm. Um, I think it was Cyberpunk. And they chronicle three different cases of uh, computer security history. Um, one is Kevin Mitnick. Actually, computer crime history, right? Kevin Mitnick. Um, Pango and the folks that were in Germany uh, at the time that tied into the Clifford Stahl uh, mm-hmm. case of espionage. And the last one was Robert Tappan Morris. And they go into the like details that they could gather from the actual trial and one of my assessments was it sounded like the attorney representing robert t morris like i don't know that he wasn't very good but wasn't well versed in computer crime law but then again who was in that was like 1987 i think when that that case went to trial right yeah i that gets missed in a lot of these cases is you know you read these appellate decisions and the u.s supreme court decisions and you don't get Mm. that insider baseball type of situation that's going on like what did the witness look like on the stand when they testified how credible were they yep um it 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 gets lost in the judge's decisions oftentimes because they're trying to be very brief and, and 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 very uh cold in, in the facts as they as they present them so yeah they, a lot of things get lost uh in the back history of a lot of these cases yeah um absolutely so uh are there other other like have you looked at other famous or not famous cases that were tried under the computer fraud and abuse act um i w- i looked at uh the keys case uh and uh what was the other one uh in fact, the, the Nossel decision. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, believe it or not, is the first one in 35 years to make it to the U.S. Supreme Court. Interesting. Oh. Interesting. And there's a reason for that. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think it's because it's a great, greatly written statute. It's not because it's ironclad, far from it. But I think not knowing the process in the judicial system, you know, only four, less than 4% of the cases actually go to trial. Mm-hmm. Most of them are pled out, dismissed. Did uh, or tried under, I mean, we say Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Is Title 18? Uh, 18 U.S.C. 1030. Yep. That's that's the act. Um, but any, on the civil side and on the criminal side, out of all the cases that are brought and prosecuted, less than 4% actually go to trial. So you take that mm. percentage of cases... And then you say, okay, how many people got convicted and how many people got convicted had the money to appeal it? Right. All right. right. So it's to say, well, it took 35 years for this to get to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, I'm not surprised because it, in, in 2014 was the first case that the U.S. Supreme Court says that the police need a, a search warrant to search cell phones mm-hmm. in the Riley v. California case. I mean, and so it, it does take a long time to wind their way through the court system and the appellate process. Um, because not everybody appeals. Some people are saying, oh, I'll take those six months, I'll take the 18 months, and they live with their sentence. <laughs> right. Uh, I think this case was different because he was a, a police officer. Mm-hmm. And again, you don't get the backstory. This right. is, yeah, uh, let's, let's recap the case. Okay. Because it, it's kind of interesting. And, and I have some specific questions once we recap it, but I think we should recap it you know, for our audience, certainly. Okay. Uh, Sergeant Van Buren was... Uh, in the uh, Cummings County, I believe, Georgia Police Force. 
and he was running into some financial problems apparently and he was socializing quote socializing with this guy albo i believe his name was and he was told that is uh van buren to stay away from this guy because he was bad news as my late mother would say he wasn't right he's like (laughs) like, he was like uh into prostitutes drugs and uh ultimately by the way he ended up going to italy and he he never testified at the trial interesting um so anyway uh he recorded the conversations with van buren and the FBI was involved. And he ultimately gave Van Buren $6,000. And he asked Van Buren, as part of the sting, to look up a license plate number of this fictitious stripper, mm-hmm. apparently, because he wanted to make sure she, quote, wasn't an undercover cop, because I guess that was his business. Hmm. Uh, and he did so. Uh, and he was, was all on tape. He was prosecuted. Uh, and he was convicted for violating section 1030A2, which is obtaining information from a protected computer for monetary gain. That's mm-hmm. kind of the Reader's Digest version of what he was convicted of. So there is, is in the law uh, the fact that he accepted money for... That made it a felony. That, that got him oh, 18 months, okay? okay? Otherwise, it would just be a misdemeanor, I which you. would be less than a year and a fine. Because that was the interesting thing for me. I'm like, to me, the the real crime was he accepted money to access something that he may have legitimately had access to for his job. But to me, the criminal act was accepting the money. But it's deeper than that. Well, you have the, to share the, it the, and the, re- accept Well, the, the, real, the real issue is uh, under the statute, uh, $5,000 is the threshold for a felony. Oh, interesting. Okay, so he accepted the six thousand. The FBI made sure it was over five thousand dollars when they got him. Of course they did. Yeah. So, uh, so ultimately he uh, appealed it, um, and like I said, the, his the guy. The other question was, why wasn't he prosecuted under the state bribery statute? Yeah, that was one of the. Well, I didn't know about the state bribery statute, but I'm like, why wasn't he tried with something different that was more? Well, about I think the because once the FBI got involved, mm-hmm. they took over the case, they took over jurisdiction because they saw what seemed to be a slam dunk, and, and at the trial level and at the appellate level, it was a slam dunk. Interesting, based on the interpretation of the statute. Um, so now, now we, we, we're in the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals. Mm-hmm. Uh, the attorney for Van Buren makes the argument that, hey, uh, the, the statute as it reads, uh, and, and I, I've got the, the terminology uh, relative to, well, let's just get some terminology out of the way. Without authorization, basically, is a hacker. Mm-hmm. And somebody who doesn't right. have no business being in a system, mm-hmm. all right? Without authoriz- or an excessive authorization is typically an insider who has the ability to be in the system but is not allowed to go into various areas. Mm-hmm. All right? They don't have the, the authority or the authorization or the permissions to do that. Okay? Mm-hmm. He was prosecuted under an uh, excessive authorization or ex- ex- exceeding authorization mm-hmm. not as an outsider because he worked for the police department. Right. And when he went onto the system, the, the bureau system to look up the license plate, he was on the system. And the 11th Circuit said, well, an excessive authorization means that you have access to the system and you used it for an illegal or an improper purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay? And that's how the 11th Circuit looked at these cases. Now, I'm not sure if you understand the, the circuit system in the United States. 
uh, I don't want to go through the, uh, in, again, inside baseball, but for example, a decision in the 11th Circuit is not binding in the 9th Circuit. Mm -hmm. Uh, the First Circuit decision. Well, I, I guess describe the circuits. Oh, uh, the circuits. The circuits are. The circuit courts of appeal are territorial. There are certain states that are within, say, the First Circuit: Rhode <laughs> Island, Massachusetts, Maine, Puerto Rico. So they're like okay. region. They're, they're regional. Yeah. Okay. okay. Mm -hmm. So in, in the Ninth Circuit is the West Coast. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the Eleventh Circuit is Florida, Georgia, the southeastern states. Mm -hmm. Okay. So within the federal appellate system, you have these circuits all over. There are uh, 13 circuits, and they all have their own jurisdiction. Jurisdictions mm -hmm. of power to hear cases and to decide them, okay? Well, if you have a case that is decided in, say, Massachusetts in the first district court as a defendant and you lose, you can bring that to the appellate court in, in the first circuit. You can't go to the 11th circuit. Right, and whatever right. the first circuit court of appeal decides is only binding in those states within that first circuit. Oh, oh okay. interesting. So and these are fed, federal. Federal. This right. is the federal system, yep. okay? So when does, a, when, does the state, when does the United States Supreme Court hear a case? They hear a case on important matters, number one, and typically when there is diversity in decisions among the circuits when there's a disparate decision. Mm -hmm. So the Ninth Circuit's deciding it one way, which was the Coney Barrett decision, mm -hmm. how she wrote it. Uh, and the Eleventh Circuit is a much more broader interpretation of inaccessible authorization, which is a wider net mm -hmm. for the prosecution. Okay. And does the Supreme Court decide if they're going to hear the case? Is it, is they it they decide. The only hint, I, I, I think it's like, 200 cases a year, mm -hmm. something like that. And they will, it's called granting writ of certiorari. They won't hear every case. There are yeah. thousands of cases of the file with the U.S. Supreme Court. Right. And what will happen is they'll say, okay, is this an important matter as it relates mm -hmm. to the district decisions and to the law itself? And they'll interpret federal law in the Constitution. Those, mm -hmm. That's their jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, primarily. So they don't have to hear every case. In fact, mm -hmm. they hear very few cases mm -hmm. in, during the term of the Supreme Court. So for a case to actually, and we talked about, you know, why 35 years, for a case to actually get up to the Supreme Court, mm -hmm. uh, it has to go through a very circuitous route in order to get there. I mean, there right. are a lot of things that a lot and of... You mentioned earlier, like, the person has to have enough financial means to be able to appeal Financial it, means, right? they ha and, and it has to be an error of the court. Yeah. You just can't... I don't, I don't like the jury's decision, I'm going to appeal it. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. The, the appellate court will only hear a case where the judge at the lower court made an error of law, either deciding an, uh, uh, a legal issue relative to the interpretation of a statute, mm -hmm. evidentiary issue, whatever the legal issue that is decided by that judge, you have to assert as the appellant that there was a legal error. Right, and right, that's the only right. way you get standing to appeal. Yeah, yeah. That makes that makes perfect sense. Well, actually. I wish my students said that. Yeah, <laughs> it would be really nice. Well, after otherwise, otherwise their, eyes, their eyes glaze over after I get to the district court, which is the main trial court. But like otherwise, everyone's just going to keep appealing. Everybody, Every exactly, right, exactly. Yeah. We're just a free for all. Yeah, the irony much. I think is that your students are there to learn because they likely want to become. Legal professionals and lawyers? No, no. Uh, I, I teach in the business school, <laughs> oh, okay. and I teach in the School of Justice Studies. In fact, okay. Dr. White is the guy who hired me to, to uh, in 2008 to teach the computer forensic law. Uh, All right. And Outstanding. Good job. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, so that, that but is, it also that makes sense in the... the, the tangentially the, how, how the, we got the here. The balance, okay. right? Right. That there are... <laughs> 
in the legal system checks and balances to go if a judge if there was a mistake or an error in the in the process right that we as citizens have a path you to do, do that. yeah it makes makes exactly. sense and pretty amazing that this case made it all the way to the u.s supreme well court. the cheerleader case just came down from the yeah. u.s supreme court so what does that tell you i mean it's just like is that the cheerleader where that just she no no that was a cheerleader that uh, was the first through. amendment case where oh. she uh didn't make the cheerleading squad as a freshman and she just ranted profanities uh online and they uh I yep. guess suspended her or whatever they, they did. So yeah, it was, so it was, and I only saw it on the news this morning. So she was junior varsity. She tried out for varsity. She didn't make varsity. Right, right. And she went on TikTok, Snapchat, mm-hmm. and uh, posted uh, profanity like you know f the, f the sports team, f the school, f cheerleading, um, and the middle finger because she didn't make varsity, um, and. The school suspended her and removed her from uh, cheerleading, both varsity and or junior varsity, and told her, nope, you're going to have that kind of attitude. We don't want you here. No, the irony is if she had graduated and that case was still in the court system, they wouldn't have heard the case Interesting. because it would have been moot. Right. She's, yeah, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so anyway. Right. So back to Van Buren. Van Buren. Now, now he's in the 11th circuit. He, well, yeah, he's court. the 11th circuit. He's in the, he hit the jackpot with the 11th circuit where mm-hmm. they, they, uh, they upheld the lower court decision of the district court. Uh, and he's serving 18 months. So he appeals it to the U.S. Supreme Court. They grant a writ of certiorari. Um, he gets heard. And the uh, judge who wrote the case is the newest judge, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, she wrote the, the and actually, when I read the decision, it, it looked like, I don't want to, I don't want I mean, she's brilliant, but it looked like a law student wrote it because it was very, uh, it had a methodology to it, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the laws, it's, it's, it's basically, they use IRAC issue rule analysis conclusion, and she followed that paradigm to the, <laughs> to the T, right? Yeah. Interesting. So, so what you're saying it was, it was legible. It was, it was legible. <laughs> it was, although I will say, uh, she, she really got caught up in linguistic gymnastics uh, in justifying, when I see a judge or a going through one word and the word is so like president clinton is what the definition of the word is well <laughs> with them it was with her and the majority was the word so how and, how, how so that that's not uh, what clinton was concerned about no no that, no no that's that's not what he was uh, no that is definitely not what okay clinton so was so let me just read the read the definition real quick this is why because I, I don't memorize this stuff in fact i tell my students i don't want to, i don't really care if you know the name of cases as long as you know the law yeah because yeah. at the end of the day nobody gives a crap all right you just need to know what the principles of the law are and how they apply man where were you as a professor when i was at roger williams you know, <laughs> and, and, and i and i always assume i always assign very short cases because i don't want to read long cases this case was 30 37 pages long including the dissent and the dissent was actually more interesting than the actual decision um but uh so far as what the clause in the statute that was in question which gave rise to the word so uh the term exceeds authorization authorized access means to access a computer with authorization and to use such access to obtain or alter information in the computer that the accessor is not entitled so to obtain or alter she really looked at that word so and she basically turned the whole case on that word so pretty much I mean, it was really complicated because it was like for, she was really going through these grammatical issues of modifiers. And, and I said, you know, at the end of the day, 
what are you trying to say? And mm -hmm. what she a actually ended up saying is this, not much. She says, <laughs> when you go into a computer so, that you are authorized to go into. Mm -hmm. Which Van Buren was as part of his job. Which which part of his mm -hmm. job. And you and in an area that you're authorized to go into and you obtain information. Which he was, because as a police officer, you would go access someone's license plate information. Correct. Right. Wasn't so, she tr essentially trying to establish mens rea? Well... Uh, can, can men's, you, can, the mens rea was already established by the intent. I only know that term because I watched Legally Blonde, by the way. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so, can, you, can you describe that term? Uh, uh, mens rea is the uh, requisite state of mind. Uh, you, need, okay. you need two things to commit a crime. You need the requisite state of mind, which is the mens rea. Mm -hmm. Intentionally, knowingly, willfully. Mm -hmm. You have to actually intend to do something. Right. Okay. In this case, it was an intent to access a protected computer. Mm -hmm. The uh, the actus reus is the actual accessing the protected mm -hmm. computer, right. and without those two, you don't have a crime. Mm -hmm. That's why not guilty by reason of insanity lacks the mens rea. Therefore, yeah. you can't convict a person, mm -hmm. or, or if they're found not guilty by reason of insanity, they don't go to jail. Mm -hmm. They don't go home, but they don't go to jail. Right, right, right. right? They, they go. But my question was serious. I mean, it sounds like so was the action verb. It was trying to. She was. I, didn't, I haven't read it. You're you're reading it. But it sounds like she was trying to get to motive and intent. Well, well, actually, to flip that on the side, what she was really ultimately saying is motive is irrelevant. Hmm. Using it for an unlawful purpose is irrelevant to the statute. Hmm. What is relevant to the statute is that you went into an area of the computer that you were not allowed to go into. Mm -hmm. That is so. what exceeded authorized access means. So they don't... She really was not saying motive because his motive was actually to do something illegal obviously right, sure, right. Mm -hmm. um but his motive insofar as this in the purpose for him doing it uh actually uh played against the prosecution in, in, mm -hmm. in, in this case against the government because they're the ones that are saying well it's because of the uh, unlawful purpose why he did it he didn't have the right to do what he did he had the right to go in there, but as soon as he did something unlawful, contrary to the policy of the police department, he lost his authorization. Mm. He lost his permission. And she said, no, that's not it. And she used a what they call a gate-up or gate-down analysis. If the gate is up, if the, if the sign says, uh, employees only, and I go in there, well, the gate was down. I should not have gone in there. Okay, the door's wide open and there's no sign, and I walk in, and I find something I shouldn't, and I'm not sure why I should be in there. Uh, there's nothing prohibiting me from being in there. Mm -hmm. There's no notice. Then I basically am allowed to be there. So what she's saying is, if you're allowed to be somewhere, it doesn't matter what you do once you get in there. Hmm. That's not the violation. Mm. The violation has to stem from getting in there and having the authority to get into the file, to get into the area of the computer that you're not allowed to be. So she really clarified the CFAA in that respect. To a point. To a point. And here's where she fell short. She didn't never said what she means when the gate's down. Yeah. She never okay. said, well, the gate down means a password protected file. The gate down means that you have a, uh, a, a banner that goes across. You're not, it, she never said what that gate down meant. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that didn't really close the loop. Yep. Mm -hmm. or, or, or you have to have, log into the system with a username and password. Maybe that's the gate.
that could be the gate, but she never yep. really said That's what that gate should yeah. be. Mm. Yep. Okay, which kind of leaves it open. Um, in, in, in and, and isn't, isn't there an issue there of scope? I, I mean, I mean, so like I was doing this case one time, and they they told us that we could only look in this one directory, and that was called C colon finance. Mm-hmm. And they and I and I actually asked the legal person. I said, "So what if I see a directory that says C colon child pornography? Can I look in that folder?" And he said, "No." What if there's and a soft so link in that, that directory that to another directory? <laughs> or <Is> that- <laughs> if you if you if someone's standing there and saying you cannot go into that directory, you cannot go into that file unless you're law enforcement and, and you're doing a, a search. Uh, I don't know. You're doing a search pursuant to a warrant and you're looking for evidence of drug running. All right, a, a weapons dealing, and you're going through a search of the computer. I know this is getting to the Fourth Amendment, and you're going into the computer and you see a file that says child pornography. You can that's open that sight. file as law enforcement. Yeah, that's plain sight. But what, a, what if you don't see it and you go looking for it? So you mm. you go you go open the directory and there's eight thousand files in the directory and you you look at the the one that says C colon finance and you decide you're going to start scrolling around and opening other directories and all that kind of stuff. That's what they were telling us we couldn't do. They said no. you can only look in this one directory. No, because your permissions are directed to this particular file and directory. Mm-hmm. Once you go beyond that. Um, now, is this is this the uh, the company that hired you to look at their own computers, or was this a, a third party? It was a court ordered search of a. It was a civil case, but it was a court ordered search of a of a. Of a yeah, of usually those employee. usually those subpoenas and searches are very very rigid and very narrow in their scope. Well, that's uh, why I was asking though, because I was like, our policy is that if we see evidence of illegal activity, we want to get the police involved because that's what the CCE says. And, you know, it was like, so what if I open this guy's machine and we see a folder that says child pornography or, you know, whatever, child trafficking? Can I look? And the lawyer said, no. You, you should, well, you're if, you're doing, if you're doing it pursuant to your normal and authorized search and you come across it, you're not law enforcement. The Fourth Amendment only applies to the government and those acting as agents for the government. And if the government says um, you, you, you run a... Uh, Computer repair shop. Do me a favor. Johnny Bag of Dones is bringing a computer. I want you to. I want you to look look through that computer. See if there's anything nefarious in there for me. Well, now that computer repairman is no longer a computer repairman. He's, he's an he's agent of law enforcement, yep. and therefore anything search that he does is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. But if he does it without law enforcement's directive, and he, he just dro- and he case. drops a dime. Yep, and yep. then they it has then to the, happen they, that in that order. Then yeah, they yeah. then they get a uh, search warrant and uh, based on the informant's information. Mm-hmm. That's so, how it usually works. Only back to the Van Buren case. Okay, I'm so sorry. Does <laughs> all good? Is the case now dismissed? <laughs> is that what was the end it's result? It's done. It's it's, it's been uh, dismissed. He's 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 been he's, he's out he's out free. He's been vacated. Hmm. In your opinion, Tom, did he still commit a crime? And oh. if so, what? What would you see as the charge be? What would could they have charged him with something different? They would have had a different not, result. Not at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Not based on this decision. They probably should have charged him with bribery. Which is that a federal? No, it's a state offense. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> That's that was my question. Yeah. answered my question. See, yeah, see, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the computer was an instrumentality of the bribery. It wasn't part of the right. CFAA breach, so to speak. Right. So you know it, whether he, whether he took a hard copy file from the file cabinet mm-hmm. and, and, and did something for money and provided some information, maybe. Uh, in fact, I was watching a Law & Order episode 
one of my favorite shows, the old <laughs> one with Jack McCoy, uh, where this woman was an undercover police officer, and she was outed uh, by this politician, uh, and he tricked somebody in Human Resources to give him the information. Well, if they didn't trick him, the human resources person was paid $5,000 mm -hmm. to give him that information. Well, that HR person would have been taking a bribe. Right. Right? And if that person died, he would have been a conspirator in a murder. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, so, at the state level, that where, that's probably where the prosecution landed. The bottom line, he's but, a... But he's not going to be charged again, because you can't be tried for the same crime. No. Okay, but he can't be tried for bribery. Oh, because that's a different mm -hmm. crime. That's a state right. crime, a state jurisdiction. Uh, and a different charge. And, and a, different, different and a charge. different charge altogether. Right. Right. And so would he likely serve jail well, time? No, what will happen based is... Based on history? Here's his what happens. This is what happens in Rhode Island, typically. Um, and, and Doug knows this. A I lot, guess of we all bring it. lot of robbery well, no. cases in Rhode Island? Is well, that well, yeah. <laughs> Wait, he's been living, yeah. living here long enough. Okay, okay, good, good. See the car he drives? Well, let me put my yeah. phone right. on the screen in case anybody wants to send some cash over. Um, <laughs> basically, he's a police officer. He lost his pension. He's been fired. He probably couldn't get a job being a police uh, officer, an attendant yeah. at a washroom. Mm, okay. okay. Uh, so his career is <laughs> done. Uh, his reputation's down the tubes. Uh, the government is not going to spend money prosecuting somebody that it's going to be difficult to prove because now you've got this case, right? Yeah, so you take yeah. a bribery case, and even if the jury is not aware of what happened, mm -hmm. the fact that he got dismissed and it got overturned, it's going to color the jury's perspe sure, perspective sure. on right, this case at right. the state level. His, li his life's already ruined. How much more do they need to ruin it? Pretty much. I mean, the guy yeah. sounds like he was in the toilet before he did this. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, really? Yeah. yeah he's just he's not going in the right direction. Hmm. Um, so that's what happened in the, in the, the Van Buren case. Now, what, what's going to happen in the, in the future? There are probably more cases. I don't think this clarifies a lot. I think from a practitioner standpoint, what you just talked about relative to the Gates Down analysis, mm -hmm. password protections, and, and mm -hmm. even... She said that even if terms of service are not enough, if there are terms of service, because let's face it, if you violate the terms of service of Facebook, mm -hmm. it, technically before this, you violated the CFAA. Right. That was so. That was yeah. That was significant in this room. And from that, that is huge. That is yeah. that is a huge issue. Because um, there was a case with was it Weave, Andrew Arnheimer. Arnheimer. Oh yeah, the Arnheimer. The Arnheimer case um, was. Would that have a different outcome now based on this yeah, new ruling? it would. And in fact, if the case is already settled, by the way, mm -hmm. the, the Supreme Court's not going to hear the case. They'll say it's a matter of settled law. We're not going to hear it unless it has a certain nuance to the, mm -hmm. in the appellate court that makes it substantially different than how this was decided. If it's basically the same facts, they're not going to... The Iran Army already served his time and I think got out, right? I think. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then there was the, the Keys case. Was it the reporter, I believe? Uh, where he, I'm not familiar with the Keys case. Yeah, he was, I think it was a reporter uh, who... They, they, they never were clear whether he was fired or he left. Uh, and he basically was hanging out with a bunch of shady hackers online. And he, and he basically was... Uh, it was a, the... Los Angeles Tribune, I think, uh, that ultimately got hacked, and he admitted to it, and he said it was just a joke, and the, it was only up for 40 minutes. He changed the headline to one of the... Uh, and he actually was prosecuted and served time. Mm. And he actually... Well, you know, it was... They called damage under the 
terms of the CFAA is a very broad term. Yes. If you damage a computer, it could be almost anything, mm-hmm. not just monetary damages. If your employees, for whatever reason, have to re- react to it, that employee time goes to the t- $5,000. And if you damage a computer, um, that adds up to a lot of money. Uh, or if you steal information, the defendant needs to place a value on that information? No, the, uh, the plaintiff has to okay. put the... the sorry, the, the, the plaintiff, stick. I'm sorry, yeah, the plaintiff the, puts a value on If it's on a civil that. case, the plaintiff, the plaintiff always has the burden of proof in a civil case, yep. and the state always has the burden of proof in a criminal case. Because it was an early case with telephone, well, when, not telephone hacking, but they, uh, it was a computer hacking case, and they stole the 911 documentation from, I believe it was the phone company. And the phone company put this like exorbitant $969,000 as a, as a fee for yes, response. For I can't think of the name of the case, but yeah, I was just. I was you're familiar, so you're familiar with that case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, ju- they just ran up the numbers. I mean, right. they just like, they talk the about piling to, on. The defense seemed to like disprove that and go, like, no, someone can pay $17 and you can get mailed a copy of this information. Right. <laughs> but then there was, a, there was attorney fees. In fact, there was an attorney uh, who actually they found a, an email from an attorney who said, uh, we got to keep running up the numbers to make sure he serves some time interesting Oof. yeah that was that wasn't good it wasn't but he still got convicted uh, i think he did he did get convicted, he got convicted in that, in that, yeah. yeah 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 he served uh less than two years i think uh, it wasn't a long sentence but the, the the judicial system is a game of deals and you know say wow they overcharge overcharge that's what they do i mean mm-hmm. if i'm if i'm trying somebody for first degree murder and if and it's a uh, a death penalty st- a statute which is the federal law there are d- mm-hmm. death penalty statutes i'm going to threaten the death penalty i'm going to overcharge i'm going right, to overcharge right. first degree murder and i'll and i'll plead down to second degree murder with 25 years to life mm-hmm. so th- and that <clears throat> happens all the time uh in in the judicial system as far as uh how this, the games are played so to speak mm-hmm. yeah so in the case of cfaa we d- we did I think clarify one point that moving forward that terms of service don't define or can't be used to determine if it's a federal crime under this statute. Well, yeah, the terms of service cannot cannot say uh, as far as exceeding authorized access uh, that doesn't protect the company and right. it, it doesn't allow for a prosecution. Larry, your question surrounding this was also, what if I share my Netflix password with someone? Yeah, so... It, Does that, that w- just violate their terms of service? <laughs> That's a this? terms of service violation. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, versus stealing his password. I mean, I used to... You're I, supposed to say asking for a friend, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, Larry... No, <laughs> yeah, no, we were... We I were, wasn't was, implying <laughs> that Larry was... Sh- we, we were sharing passwords, Larry, or I were <laughs> yep. sharing passwords, but uh, talking about that as a hypothetical situation. Well, you yeah. know, and, and people share their their uh, their account on Netflix all the time, mm-hmm. yeah. and, it's, it, and it's not like Netflix doesn't know about it. In fact, in some cases, they encourage it. Yep. Many cases. Yeah, and that was sort of where we were, were postulating on that. We're like, hey, we really don't know what the hell we're talking about. Mm. It was along the lines of like, hey, I have a Netflix account. I share my password with Paul. He has permission to be in that system because he has a username and password. It just happens to be mine, and I gave it to him. Um, he then goes and watches a, a movie that he has access to. But he really shouldn't, so it's kind of like stealing. He really doesn't have access. 
I mean, he does. He doesn't but have, it's not, but it's, it's in violation it's, of the terms. It's, it's of not authorized. It depends yeah. how you define yeah. so. And, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 so yeah, I'm going to jail really. to yeah. watch the movie. Mm, and, yes, and then, so, then yeah. you got to get it over five thousand dollars. So you know, when Paul decides to record the movie and distribute it on his own private DVD label, right? Yeah, that's not good. Fine. Now that's a I whole bunch say, of other yeah, one of piracy, yeah. Worth five dollars, yeah. and I'm going to multiply that times fifty, and you know, on and on and on. Yeah. Then you yeah, have- that reminds me, Doug, of the the one legal question <laughs> I've always wanted to ask: Am I allowed to rip that tag off the bottom of the chair? That says do not remove this tag. I'd be serving serious time if that were the case. I just, <laughs> yeah. Jeff, if you actually read the label, it says maybe re- uh, maybe removed by, by the, the end, consumer. End, end consumer. Yeah. Yes, it does. May, yeah. but that depends how you define B. So no, coming back. So right. So, so <laughs> Tom, I, but my other my other question was, ahead, sorry, Paul, if I can throw it in real yeah, quick. Sure. Uh, I'm a bank teller. I'm allowed to walk into the vault. And I walk out with a few extra packs of cash. I'm, I'm committing a crime, aren't I? But you're I'm committing embezzlement. That's called a bailment. That's embezzlement. Yeah, that would be embezzlement. It's not a computer crime, but it is a crime because mm. so you, took, you took you took you took the money computer. that you had. Enti- you you were entitled to be there. You were entitled to handle the cash. You weren't entitled to convert it to your own property, and that's embezzlement. Mm. So um, what, what I'm hearing you say is computer crime law still has some catching up to do. Wow, no, yeah, and and and, and, you, and, you, and using and using and, and the courts are fond to using, fond fond to using. That's not even. A, uh, <laughs> I, I want to using uh, like real life analogies, like in the Fourth Amendment, they'll use a file cabinet for a computer, and they'll use the mm-hmm. drawers of the file cabinet as different files within the computer. And, and, and did the same thing with this. In fact, the dissent relies on property law and trespass as a common law trespass to support the case that once you're in somebody's property and you're not and you're using it at a at adverse to the owner's either request or intent, you've trespassed. And, and, and so, if you go out to my property and I ask you to leave, it's trespass. Right. Now, my next question is interesting that Jeff gave the bank example because it's clearly embezzlement if the employee goes into the, the bank vault and steals money, mm-hmm. right? It's also uh, what if someone goes to the bank and withdraws money? Mm-hmm. Now, in both cases, the bank teller and the bank customer, if they leave that money behind the dumpster, behind the bank, and then I just happen to walk up and see that money there and I take it, is there a, a, a difference <laughs> If it was a legitimate person who withdrew it, is this a finders, keepers, uh, losers, weepers defense? Is that, is is that that just, how now, I want to put this in terms of uh, computers and computer security. If I'm on an underground forum somewhere, right, and I'm looking around and I see a file that contains a whole bunch of credit card numbers or a whole bunch of usernames and passwords, and I download that file. Am I committing a crime, or does it depend on what I no, do with it? No, it? it depends what you do with it. If mm-hmm. if you are well, there's there's another uh, trafficking in passwords and, and IDs, so mm-hmm. that that's another ten thirty violation. Interesting. Okay. So if if you if you just hold them and do mm-hmm. nothing with them, you've done nothing. But if you start selling them and just in, in what if I share them? What if I put them somewhere a few of my friends can gain access? Well, then, to then them? you're basically. That is something of value that you are mm-hmm. converting those password and those those files to. In other words, if they're credit card uh, numbers and you're giving them to your friends to 
right. go into Home Depot. But what about usernames and, and pa- I mean, there are actually legitimate companies that will uncover. <coughs> well, that would be you'd be trafficking. You'd be trafficking in in passwords, and that would be a CFA violation if oh. trafficking so, is, is actually giving them away. Yeah. So, like, uh, how does no, have I been pwned? How do they operate? Because they have a whole database of the passwords that were leaked in in data breaches already like someone broke in stole a bunch of usernames and passwords then they committed a crime by sharing them with the world and then troy hunt puts them on his website but he doesn't he doesn't give them away he only takes your password and looks it up against the database yeah okay so as a keeps your password and adds it to the list (laughs) Yeah. yeah It's like a so yeah, it's chain a, a logical outcome. So it's just a true or false, right? I mean, it's he's not actually giving you the passwords. Gotcha. Yeah, but and, you know, silly question, but a serious question too. And, you know, the old adage that possession is nine tenths of the law. Does that not apply in this case? Possession is nine tenths of the law. I, I so so I mean, you're you were saying if you steal the data, computer data, that's a crime. Right. If you use that data to you know you know cre- let's say credit card data to commit fraud, right. that's a crime. But just being in possession of the data, that, that's not a crime. Not a crime. Mm-hmm. That's not a crime. No. So possession nobody, is not nine tenths. Uh, technically, of the law. nobody's really harmed. But if you're just sitting there right. with a bunch of passwords and not doing anything with them, you're not giving them away, you're not distributing them, you're not selling them, there is no harm at that point. Okay, because so if you're doing, if your intent is to do good with them and tell the people whose passwords were leaked, like you're Robin Hood, and you're, you're Robin. Well, yeah. that happens in our our field, right? Yeah. I mean, there's services that do that. I mean, we tested services that, in uh, scanning the internet for what would be our data, right? So we gave them the name of our company, and those companies that will go mm-hmm. search the internet and right. find anything related to you. And in some cases, they found valid credential, well, not valid credential, but credentials, whether right. they're valid or not is a different discussion, but they found credentials. It was open source? Anybody could have found them? No, they, they open source, anyone could have found them, right? They're out there, and they, re- they report it back to me and say, hey, I found some of your passwords, credentials. You should probably have those users change your passwords. That's... That's yeah, I mean, cool, and, and right? if it's open to the public, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you find something, and it's when you trespass, they use that trespass word yeah. again to steal something. And, and when I say steal something, it's just not physically, obviously, if you view something uh, that is obtaining property on, mm-hmm. on, under the, the laws, under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Right. Um, so it's more the person that stole those credentials in the first place. They're the criminal. Yeah. Not the people that are handling the data afterwards, unless I'm selling it. Unless you're selling it, or if someone gives it to you, you're you're a co-conspirator, mm-hmm. right? Or, and someone or, says, or what you have is inherently illegal. Hey, receiving so, stolen property. So, well, mm-hmm. no, not stolen. I mean, so so there's a difference between a password, which is not well, in, yeah, in a password's different, right. and say a child pornography photograph that you say I just found this laying on the street. If you have that, it's it falls under the same thing as I found this brick of cocaine out behind the dumpster. That's why it's in the trunk of my car. You still get arrested under the wheel well. Brick of cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> Even if you say I didn't buy it and I didn't make it, I just, I just found, found it. it sitting on and the street. But I'm carrying mine. it yeah. <laughs> Well, how, how how about a this more of a scenario where we got a disgruntled employee and they take take a bunch of the f- stuff their employee is working on and they post it on WikiLeaks. Uh, Have they broken home? Well, they, they, they had access already. They had access to the system. They had approved. They had were authorized to do that. That's that's that's, that's, they, that's where this comes down. Yeah, I mean, if you yeah. have, if you're authorized, and, th- and this was uh, the the case, uh, damn, it, where where the um, 
the insider provided information to the person who left the company and that person was going to use it to start their own business okay mm-hmm. well they wouldn't run afoul of the CFAA because they were authorized to access that information. Now, right. it is a theft. Right. It is property. Information right. is property. And, and, and it does, even if it's computer information, it's property if it has a value to somebody. Mm-hmm. All right? So if, if whether it's trade secrets, whether it's a code, whether it, it's something that has a value to someone, a customer list, it's property and it's theft. I see where that differs from credentials because it, credentials aren't necessarily property in that sense. They're more like the key. Yeah, like, it's, it's like I lost my keys and someone found well, my keys. Well, use the analogy yeah. of, of a car. Yeah. I mean, you know, you give somebody his, uh, Tom's car to his, his Corvette. Here, here's the keys. Go, go steal it. I mean, it, it's, it's, it still has a property value. Mm-hmm. I mean, does, does a password have a value to you? A, if, you had a, if, if you had to go into your Bank of America account and someone had your password that they shouldn't have, is that, a, is that something that has value to you? Well, what's in my account has the value? Well, though, not in my account, but maybe your account. <laughs> <laughs> it's Doug's account. There's butterflies flying around. There's nothing in my account. Um, is that fiduciary harm? Oh, here oh, we go. Fiduciary. Loves the term oh, fiduciary. fiduciary. I was waiting for fiduciary harm. I don't even know what that means. Oh, my goodness. I was so impressed when he used that term the first time. I was like, wow, Doug, like, you really know a lot about the law. Like, I'm impressed right That's now. It's big words, Doug. Yeah. Yeah. That's harmed by a fiduciary, someone who has responsibility to take care of your affairs, and they breach it. Mm. And you suffer harm. But does Doug have a pecuniary interest in this? Oh, pecuniary is always a good word. Yeah. <laughs> Tell the truth, Paul. You were mildly impressed when I said mens rea, too. Mens I, I rea. was. I, I thought was. it was a fish. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was like a cream you need to I have to go back Jeff. and watch. What was, the, what was the movie you said it was from? Legally Blonde. Legally, Legally, Legally Blonde. Oh, mens rea. That's a good movie. Actus Reus. All that Latin. That's all Latin I know besides pig Latin, to be honest with you. That's it. <laughs> It doesn't get I thought all attorneys had to know Latin. Oh, yeah, I, I used to throw some raise ipsa locator in there and uh, <laughs> respondeat superior, and they, it doesn't mean anything. Yes, I go deus veneris. Yeah. unum. I mean, that, I don't know. Much <laughs> <laughs> that's all I know. So. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you for coming out and digging into that. I like I, I, to be honest, I, it's more interesting to me anyway is that I'm, I'm a process person so the process to me is besides the decision yeah how it, was, how it got there right and the backstories and and, and and how these things ultimately get appealed and, and why they get appealed because you don't know what, what happened at the trial I right mean, nobody knew that the key witness went to Italy and mm. <laughs> And the defendant never Isn't testified. Is the plot of the Godfather? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Apollonia. Don't start up that car. <laughs> it's a Pinto. Um, anyway. So, so, that's what's, so, the, so it does help a lot of issues relative to mm-hmm. uh, cybersecurity. Uh, certainly, security research, it does help a lot in that regard. Uh, but if you have... If you're working for somebody and they're asking you to go through their system, you clearly have authorization. It's, it's right. not like, it, usually it's the gray areas when you have employees that go beyond. And even if they do go beyond, if they have authorized, it's like you could, yeah. So I've done this in, in many of us have done this in the roles that we hold as security professionals. I'm working for an organization. I 
always and encourage our audience to do the same to get permission from the organization to say, hey, I'm going to go test our stuff. Rick buildings, permission. Buildings, computers, files, all that stuff. I want you to give me permission to say, like, Which, I have back, I, if I test this and I gain access to something that you've granted me that I'd have access to mm. that. Right? Well, it was just that case that came down when Doug and I were actually starting a paper on it uh, where the guy was breaking into the courthouse uh, as yeah. part of the, the pen testing uh, yep. process. Yes, yes. Um, it, it's, you just don't know. And, and in that case, there was permission but the, apparently the, the chief justice had no idea what was going on during it was the whole a jurisdiction no. uh, had, it, well it, usually yeah. it's a it, it's a pissing contest mm. uh, yeah. between between who exactly should, who should have yeah, yeah. Cause, cause who, the, should, the, who should have the permission the sheriff was embarrassed the sheriff yeah. was embarrassed and he was going to show them that you know you're not going to make me look like an asshole and that's pretty much what happened there i yeah. think right yeah. but I that doesn't come out in the, the decision yeah right i mean it did i sort of came out in the wash after after the fact it did stories that came out yeah, yeah. yeah. I, Paul, I remember so, you know back in the day there was a there was a company that I worked for um, as you know doing pen testing and mm-hmm. security and, and all that type of stuff. And I said, look, I'd like some written permission so that when I'm doing my job and in finding these things and getting access to things that I shouldn't have access to, that I'm not going to get your, right. that I have permission to do so. And, and that they, paper gives you access to it. That's why I encourage right. people to get that paper to right. say uh, when I break into things yeah, within my own good. organization that I'm authorized to do. Well, so. yeah. in that Even case, it didn't help. They had the paper. They showed it to the yeah. they showed yeah. it yeah. to the sheriff yes. and they still arrested him uh yep. it's it just yep. it, 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 for for my case it was breaking into my own company so it wasn't uh, you know a third party okay. it was breaking uh, into yeah. my own company or, or the company that employed me and their answer was it's a part of your job description i'm like that's not good enough like i don't care if it's part of my job description. is it tom you seem to think that it is it well is. if they give you if, if your job description says this is your job mm-hmm. to do pen testing security testing and all this that is part of your job description. That's what you're hired to do. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm hard pressed to believe this. You know, it's not like you went out and parked cars and you cracked up a car and while you were doing it. I mean, this is what you were hired to do. Right. And if that's your job description, then that's what you. Now, if you go beyond that, that's another sure. story, obviously. Right. And I think that's why we like to get well, the paper in case it could be interpreted that we went beyond the scope. You always of our want job. it in yeah. writing. Yeah. Always get it in yeah. writing, no matter what. No matter even if it doesn't seem like it really has to be. Yeah. Get it in writing because. Yep. You never so, know, and they didn't want to give and, it. They didn't want to give me the extra in writing. Needless to say, I don't work and, there anymore. And be, sh- be sure you understand who has the authority to give you that. In writing. Oh yeah, and, that, and that's where that's, that's a whole that's, issue in forensics of like who's the custodian of this really? Because if somebody writes you a receipt and says, "Yeah, you can look at this," and they don't really have the authority to do that, you can have a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. But that goes back to the coal fire case too. Very yes. similar. Yeah. Who who do I need to get permission? Mm-hmm. From right, right. A, a university. Was it the court system? Was it uh, yes. who, who do I get? Who do I get? <laughs> who do I, so well, it's it, it's really um, a matter of like Doug said, who is who's pulling the strings? I mean, there's, there's cases where you know a town uh, manager may hire somebody, and if that town manager is not authorized to hire you to do security testing because you needed approval of the city council, the town council. Yeah. You've acted without authorization. Right. Or hey, uh, the town hires me and the town has leased a building and I break into that building, but I didn't have permission from the actual it, owner. Exactly. That's typically where we get yes. in trouble with yes. this. Lee, yeah. Lee's got a question or comment Lee. here. So, so, so where, I, where I work, you know, we have, of course, classified data, but overall our data and all our accesses, there's the overall arching mantra that uh, want to know is not need to know. 
that you're not authorized to get at that data unless you really have a defined need to know. And yes, it's defined who can give you that that access or not. But I was questioning that what they're talking about. I've got access to a system and parts I don't have a need to know for. I shouldn't go poking around because I'm curious. I mean, it seems like a dichotomy. Well, you wouldn't be running afoul of the CFAA. You wouldn't because uh, there was a case from 2000 called Sabinsky. He was an IRS agent. And he was looking up files of his political enemies. He didn't do anything with them, but he had access. He had authority to look up IRS files. That's what he did for a living. Uh, mm -hmm. That is the s same situation because he may not have been, that's a purpose-related breach, but that's not a CFAA violation. So if you go into a system and you have carte blanche to go wherever you want, and you decide to go into an area that you shouldn't be in, that you think you shouldn't be in, but there's no restrictions, you haven't violated any law. I mean, it, it really comes down to how, how strong is that gate? When it's down, how strong is that mm -hmm. gate when it's down? If it's just, uh, you can't go into this file. Okay, but I have well, access to it. But yeah, but I don't well, want that's kind of interesting if, you know, oh. I have access to a file share, right, maybe in Office 365, and I'm browsing around because I have access to it, and I happen to see a spreadsheet with everyone's salary information, and I look at it. What you're saying, Tom, that's not a CFAA violation. Right. Oh, no, yeah. no. Oh, but I, I have a question. But first, I have to ask: is is there a statute of limitations on these things established? Yeah, I don't know what it is offhand. To be honest with you, there is a statute of limitations uh, on, on virtually is every. It, is it at least thirty years? It's, it's, it's eighteen months. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when I was in college, <laughs> He's rolling his eyes, <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a I had a job at a uh, state collection agency uh, for people that were defaulting. Actually, I was trying to prevent them from default for student loans, and it was back in those days. It was uh, I was on a mainframe terminal, and so all the data was in a database on the mainframe, and I could see everybody. And I had the ability, if I had wanted to hypothetically, uh, you know, friends and family and colleagues just, you know, magically go in and, and, and check the little box. Or I, I don't exactly remember what it was, but show that they were paid off. I could have done that. I had the, I had the access and the privilege to be able to do that. That was not my job function. Uh, crime mm. or no If you crime. did that, that would have been fraud. I was going to say fraud. Oh, fraud. I would have guessed correctly. You would have guessed yeah. correctly. And here's the thing about, the other thing about the CFA, there's a lot of redundancy. I mean, wire fraud is computer mm -hmm. fraud. But wire fraud carries a much stiffer penalty. It's yeah. like 20 years, where this is one year, one year for the misdemeanor. Mm. So most of these computer fraud uh, prosecutions are under the wire fraud statute. Because right. it's much fraud is different. Von Buren wasn't committing fraud. No, he wasn't. Com yeah. Well, no, he wasn't committing fraud per se. Mm -hmm. um, but there are a lot of redundancies in the CFAA too, as well. So you wonder why they. And I always say, why didn't they just, if they wanted to prevent fraud, computer fraud, put it in the wire fraud statute? Mm -hmm. it says, but I think what happened was in 1986 they wanted to make a big splash that they were fighting computer yeah. uh, abuse. So oh, we're going to have yeah. this Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, and we're going to have a big signing of this bill, uh, which really, for the most part, has been abused as a Computer Fraud and Abuse yeah. Act. It felt well, very much in the beginning, too, because hackers were evil. They were teenagers living in their parents' basements, and they were wreaking havoc, and law enforcement at the time 
in a huge crackdown in the early 90s using the computer fraud well, and it, the it was as a, the stick. Because it was a mystery to most people. What, yeah. what you know, c- computer knowledge, and, and, and it's a mystery to me. Believe me, I am not a technical person, far from it. Uh, but, I mean, you know, if you ask anybody who worked in corporate America, which I did for 20 years, you don't mess with the computer folks. IT, you don't screw <laughs> around with that, right? Because they can make your life hell, living hell. And, and, yeah, and if you want something, uh, they yeah. are. You just kind of just kiss mm-hmm. up to them. And that, to a certain degree. Uh, we, we would never. No, no, no. Ne- ne- I don't never. have access. No. Yes, we'll yes, get back we to you in a year. But sunspots could happen. Yeah. And do, quite frequently. Yeah, yep. they do, yeah. yeah. It's like your whole account could be wiped out by magnetic interference from the sun. Mm-hmm. It happens, I'm sure. I mean, it's a shame something happened to it. Oh. So. Yeah, well, Tom, this was, this was a lot of fun. Oh, I'm glad. Thank you for coming yeah. on the show. I was a little... I've never done this before. That's you what they all great. say. So I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I showed up. It was fun. It was we need to ask you five more questions, though. Oh, here we go. Just, the same questions. Well, what, I was I was yeah, so you've heard the questions because you got uh, here a little early. <laughs> <laughs> so you've had time to prep. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Three words to describe yourself. Um, anal retentive. That's one word because it's hyphenated. <laughs> um, and he's a lawyer, right? <laughs> um, so, it's uh, be one of them. somewhat funny, uh, and that's also hyphenated. It's ho- somewhat hyphenated. funny, yeah, <laughs> hyphenated. Um, fiduciary, fiduciary. <laughs> I'm a fiduciary bag. That's what I am. Fiduciary bag. Uh, if you were a serial killer, what would be your weapon of choice? Um, listening to Hall and Oates. That would make them listen to Hall and Oates oh. over and over and over. Oh, they're not oh. that bad, these men. That is unique. Yeah. Yeah. That is very unique. Yeah. If you wrote a book about yourself, what would the title be? Um, I Hate Change. <laughs> just squeeze down your pants. I mean, can't we just go all the bills? Uh, it depends. <laughs> no, I don't wear them. <laughs> have you watched Have you watched hacker movies? Like, do you have a favorite hacker movie? Like, do you no, recall I don't really. watching a movie? I, only, I remember one with um, Matthew, Matthew Broderick. Broderick. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the War Games. War Games. War Games. War Games. Yeah, that one there. Ali Sheedy. Yeah. yeah. Favorite law movie. Favorite law movie? Well, I said yeah. Law and Order was your favorite. Law and Order was my favorite. The TV show. The yeah. TV show was my favorite uh, show. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is. They have pretty good. Uh, consultants on that yeah, show yeah. in fact my, it pisses my wife off when i object and and, and i rule on the objection and my wife goes, how did you know that how'd you know they're gonna well first of all i saw the show 16 times so right, yeah, like, yeah. So you knew the i knew what was yeah. gonna happen and they always say the same thing all right mccoy i'm gonna give you a little latitude but just watch it i don't want you to go too far with your questions and, and you know every damn time well yeah. every damn time and the, the only thing about the Illinois that's not really Realistic is it's like Perry Mason. They're like sticking their face right in the witness's face and cross-examining. No judge would allow that yeah, to happen, yeah, yeah. especially. I mean, you're that's spitting on TV, them, and right, yeah, right. that's the drama part of it. Yeah, so choose two Still celebrities. Favorite, I want to hear favorite law movie though. I oh, love law a law movie. movie. What's your favorite a law, law movie? movie. I like the Paper Chase. It's an oldie but goodie. I always yes! like. Yes. I wanted to yeah. ask you about Jeff, that. Finish Jeff the five is, questions, oh my and then I have a quick Jeff question. Jeff is so excited. Choose two celebrities to be your parents. Alive, dead, fictional, Alive, or, dead, otherwise. fictional or otherwise. Well, I already <laughs> get... I, I was going to say Henry VIII. Um, and um, actually, it would have been... Uh, Anton Scalia would have been huh. my father. Mm. Uh, and... Um, 
I don't know who my mother would be. I don't know. If you say Henry VIII, I was going to say Mother Mother Teresa. I don't know. I just I mean Henry VIII would work. I mean, welcome to 2021, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. really. Jeez, I wouldn't know who my mother was. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Did you did you want your off air quote? Did you want your no? Actually, because it was going to tie back to our first segment because Paper Chase is actually one of my favorite law movies, and I was going to ask it figuring. Maybe Tom had heard of it. Maybe Doug. I know Larry and Paul probably have never heard the of what it. What now? I haven't actually. The, the paper chase. Oh, um, it was Timothy Bottom was right? in it, right? Timothy Bottom was the was was the, mm-hmm. uh, they the, made the a TV yeah. show out of it. Yeah, with, they uh, did. John yes, Gilgood. Uh, or no, John no, no, not John Gilgood. Um, John. John yeah, Hausman. We stand by with the old guys talking. Another Shakespearean. Um, but the the point I wanted to bring my favorite part of that movie, which actually ties into the first segment on the whole, you know, you know, finding the right skill set and qualifications to be in this business. It's in this movie, Paper Chase, because and I haven't seen it in many years. But there's, you know, it's it's a it's a it, Black it's and a, white? a story about no, it's colored, <laughs> but it's a story about law students. I want to say first year law students, right. but it doesn't matter. And uh, uh, one of the one of the law students has a photographic memory, and so they think, oh, I can ace this and become a lawyer because every legal book I read, I can recall. Um, and the guy ends up, spoiler alert, failing miserably because he doesn't know how to apply what he's read. Yeah, essentially, uh, yeah, yeah, he can rattle it off, but he has no idea what it. Well, means. well that's what I, 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 I tried to. That, yeah. I knew that guy in real life. I, I really did. There was a guy in my PhD program like that. He could just like scan through stuff, and he knew every bit of it, but he was completely failed to understand any of it. And well, that's why like, I encourage yeah. my students. I don't care whether they actually memorize the law. I mean. Just tell me what the mm-hmm. basic law is in your own words and how to apply it. It's the application, to your point, that yep. they have a tough, tough time trying to apply it because mm-hmm. it's a critical thinking skill. Uh, and you've got to practice. It's not a, something that happens to a lot of people just by doing it once or twice. It's something you do over and over and over. And after a while, you get the sense of this is the rule, these are the facts, does mm-hmm. it or does not apply. Right. And, and you've got to look at both sides of, of an equation. Um, yeah, law school was a miserable experience. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't go to law school Sorry. to become a lawyer, by the way. I only practiced law for three years. Uh, I, I graduated law school when I was 39 years old. I had two small children. Mm-hmm. I was in banking for 20 years before that. Um, I call it 20-odd years, and they were odd years. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was strange, uh-huh. the early 80s. Mm-hmm. Well, um, thank you for bringing up the paper chase. Yeah, uh, a great rec- movie. It's a good movie. I recommend. Uh, yeah, it is. I, it watch. is a very good movie. Mr. Yeah. Hart. Yes, I remember. <laughs> Mr. That. Hart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much for appearing on. Oh, Paul's thank you, Paul. Weekly. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. With great. that, we'll take a short break. Come back and talk about the security news. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. 